Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season 2, episode 25, The Prisoner. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams. Written by John Gallagher and Jim Henshaw. Directed by Armin Mastriani. Original air date, June 5th, 1989. The Cursed Antique from Friday the 13th Wiki is a Japanese kamikaze pilot jacket that renders the wearer invisible after it's smeared with blood from a murder victim. All right, so we're back with Season 3, Episode 25, The Prisoner. First, I want to go back to last week when we were talking about the antiques and Jack said something about, in a good man's hands, it's not evil, but everyone is not good. And you were saying that it's the wanting of something that makes the curse work. So I was thinking about it, and that would make sense if you go back to that Mulcher episode, the the wood chipper one or whatever it was. Because if you remember, we had a discussion on that episode because I couldn't figure out why the guy who owned it wasn't affected. It wasn't the guy who was using it to kill people who owned it. It was the old man who was happy with his life right so that would make sense because that always bugged me why this guy wasn't affected and uh the other guy was all he did was look at it and he was affected so that mm-hmm. makes perfect sense yeah that episode annoys me in many different ways but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that makes perfect sense so anyway this episode opens in 1979 with a van blowing up and a team robbing the contents of the van so there's a shootout with the police and I only saw two, but apparently there were three that got away, leaving one behind in the back of the van. He shot and injured and arrested. So Dayton was his name, and he received a 20-year sentence. But one of his accomplices, Jane, visits him in prison and tells him to wait it out. He has $4 million waiting for him when he gets out. She says it's safe because it's marked, so the others can't use it right now. It's in a storage locker that only Dayton can access. So Jane and the other guy leave and, of course, discuss the fact that the money isn't in the locker, but they'll be far away before Dayton gets out and discovers he's been double-crossed. So I guess they need him to believe his cut is still his, so he doesn't give them up. Right, yes. To the police before they can get away. So then we move 10 years in the future to the present day. Well, the present day in the series time. Dayton is still in jail. He's reading law books, and he still has the storage claim ticket. Apparently, prisoners come to him for legal advice. So one guy comes to him and needs help in getting transferred. He gives Dayton his leather jacket as payment. Dayton agrees to help and tells him his paperwork will be ready in the morning. So he puts on the jacket and leaves his cell. A prisoner is stabbed in the hallway and lands on Dayton, who pushes him aside, but he gets blood all over the new jacket. He goes back to his cell, but he notices he's begun to disappear, and he becomes invisible. So he makes his bed up to look like he's sleeping in it, leaves his cell, locking it behind him, and walks right out of the prison. Later, we move over to the return of Johnny Ventura, who's bringing his father a sandwich at his job. You know, I keep looking at this guy, and I have no recollection. Like I said, I remembered him. I knew his character was coming. I have no recollection of him looking like this. Like I said, I thought it was that guy in the church. That's kind of what I remembered him looking like. I have no recollection of him looking this like he does with the black hair. I always thought his hair was lighter. I don't know. It's just so weird when I look at him because I remember the character. But I have apparently no recollection of what he looked like. Yeah, yeah. He kind of looked different because I was like, who is this guy? I think his hair was a little longer maybe from the last episode he was in. Yeah, he did look even different from the last time we saw him, definitely. Yeah. So 
Johnny's with his dad bringing him a sandwich. And his dad is upset about one of his friends dying of a heart attack and only being two years younger than him. So that's, you know, what's coming for him. Mm-hmm. As soon as somebody talks about his friends dying or death, they're dead. So yep. as Johnny starts to leave, they hear a loud noise coming from somewhere in the building. Vince tells Johnny to call the police and he goes to check out the noise. It looks like Vince is the security guard for this building. And this building is the storage facility where Dayton's money should be stored. As Vince enters the room, he can hear Dayton's voice and he can see boxes opening, but Dayton is invisible. Dayton is angry about being double-crossed because his money isn't there. When he sees Vince, he attacks him. Johnny runs in to help, but Dayton flings him against the wall and knocks him out. Which kind of led me to believe that this jacket not only makes you invisible, but gives you superhuman strength, because he really, like, tossed him against the wall like nothing. Yeah, yeah, I want to there, yeah. But apparently that isn't it, it was just him. Dayton turns Vince's gun on Vince and kills him. Johnny rushes in to find his father dead. In the next scene, Johnny's in jail explaining what happened to Mickey. He doesn't understand what happened. He didn't see anyone, but does remember smelling cigars. Mickey believes him and promises to get him out of there as soon as she can. At the store, Jack doesn't know what to do for Johnny. He says that no jury would ever believe the things he's reporting, which is true, which is probably why he's in jail. So Johnny gets transferred to the same prison Dayton walked away from. He's assigned to a cell with Arkwright, who we've seen before because he tried to break up a fight earlier. And he seems to be kind of a peacemaker. Dayton meets with someone... And I'm assuming it's his lawyer. They never actually say, but I'm assuming it's his lawyer. He says that his accomplices have a safety deposit box, but they'll need all three keys to get in. And Dayton will need to find them to get to the money. The attorney gives him the address of Lou Bittner. Mm-hmm. He yells at the lawyer to worry about finding Jane and Kingston, who were the two that came to the prison to visit him when he was convicted 10 years ago. Jack finds the name of the person the storage room was rented to with the last name of Railsback, but there was no address and nothing of value in the storage room. They also discover that the storage was paid for 20 years in advance. I don't know how they come up with it, but somehow they come up with the fact that it might be a prisoner. Somebody who went to jail for 20 years. The only storage compartment to be broken into was registered to a man called Railsback. A man with no address who'd stored nothing of any value. Isn't that strange? If we find him, we'll ask. Look at this. Deposit to cover annual fees for 20 years. Who'd go away for 20 years? So back at the prison, Dayton, who must have gone back in to the prison, seems to recognize Johnny. But see, Johnny didn't see him, but he keeps looking at him. And at first I was like, why is he staring at him? Because he didn't see him, but he smells the cigar. So Johnny keeps watching him. And the kid who traded his jacket for legal advice is now getting out in a few days. So he originally asked to be transferred to minimum security or a different prison or something. But now he's getting out and asked Dayton if he can buy his jacket back. So apparently whatever paperwork Dayton did for him worked. But Dayton stabs him to death, and he leaves the area, but Johnny follows him. But Dayton smears the kid's blood on his jacket and vanishes before Johnny can find him. Dayton's invisible again, and he calls Lou from a payphone and does some heavy breathing, and I don't know what the point of that was. (laughs) What the heck was that about? I don't know. I was (laughs) like, okay. Hello? Who is this? I mean, I guess the guy would be scared enough hearing the guy's voice. Why did he have to do all the heavy breathing before? Right. (laughs) So Lou calls Jane and tells her that Dayton called him. Dayton is the rails back that Jack found on the storage room. Jane believes that Dayton is still in prison. 
But she does tell him to move and change his name. But Dayton is already in, in the house. If it were me, if I got a strange phone call like that, the first thing I'd do is lock the doors. You know? Right, but at any time, you come in the house, you lock the doors. Right. I know, and nobody seems to lock the doors in this show, especially in this episode. But if I got a weird phone call, my first move while I'm on the phone is locking the doors. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So Lou wants to just get the money, but Jane says they're waiting until they're sure. So I know they said earlier that they couldn't spend it because it's marked and because the serial numbers are on file. But what are they waiting for? Is there some length of time where the serial numbers aren't on file anymore? I don't know. That's what I couldn't figure out either. Unless you're running somewhere else with the money. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I I have to imagine if there's a big, especially if it's a big heist, I have to imagine the serial numbers are on file forever. I mean, they don't just say, okay, it's been 10 years, let's forget it. Right. I mean, maybe. So maybe they're waiting for the statute of limitations to expire. I don't know. So at this point, Dayton is in the house and he duct tapes Lou to the chair and orders him to tell him where the key is. He gets the key because it's hanging around Lou's neck and tries to get Lou to tell him where the other two were. Then we jump back to the prison and Johnny tells his cellmate that he doesn't think Dayton is actually in his cell. But then he appears there all of a sudden, which makes Johnny even more suspicious. Right. I mean, lucky for Johnny that he already worked on an artifact retrieval because who would even assume any of this? Right. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. The warden comes to the cell block to question the prisoners about the stabbing and the weapon. He takes Dayton for questioning first. Mickey was able to get a pass to visit Johnny and tells them that there is a prisoner named Dayton Rallsback. She's thinking that Johnny can talk to Dayton. But Jack and Ryan have some information about another prisoner, Woody Reese, who owns the World War II flying jacket that Ryan was supposed to buy from him when he got out of, pri- out of prison the following mm-hmm. week. Which is why he wanted to buy it back, apparently, from Dayton. I got a visitor's pass to see Johnny. And we were right. There's a prisoner called Dayton Railsback. Maybe Johnny can speak to him. Now there are two inmates you should talk to. Yeah, we found something in the manifest. A World War II flying jacket sold to Woody Reese. What's that got to do with Johnny? I was going to buy that jacket from Reese next week after he's transferred out of maximum security. It's a kamikaze jacket. It was used by Japanese suicide pilots in World War II. I'm not sure how it operates. I better check into that. I'll also find what it is that put uh, Reese and Rails back behind bars. You two talk to Johnny. So they know that it's a kamikaze jacket from World War II, but they don't know what it does. Jack is going to investigate what Dayton and Reese's crimes were while Mickey and Ryan go talk to Johnny. Meanwhile, Johnny snuck into and is searching Dayton's cell. He searches the jacket and finds a storage ticket with something written on the back. 
which were the addresses, I think, that the attorney gave him. Dayton finds him copying down the addresses on the ticket and jumps Johnny. Johnny's cellmate comes in to break it up. He drags Johnny out of the cell and warns him that he could be killed and wants to know why he's so interested in Dayton. But Johnny doesn't answer. And in the next scene, Mickey and Ryan are telling Johnny about a jacket bought by Reese. Johnny tells them that Reese is dead, and he tells them that the jacket now belongs to Dayton. Mm-hmm. And he tells them about the storage ticket and the three names and two addresses on the back of the ticket. So meanwhile, Jane goes to Lou's house and finds him dead. She turns around to leaves and walks right into Ryan. So she pretends to be a cleaning lady, and when Ryan looks at whatever she's trying to show him, she hits him in the head with her gun and then shoots at Mickey, but she misses, and then she runs out. Can't be a very good shot. <laughs> the At the store, Jack reads Mickey and Ryan more information on the jacket. The kamikaze believed themselves to be invisible in battle until they fired upon the enemy. They believe that the jacket can make someone invisible, really now, which means that Dayton can leave the prison and come back anytime he wants. The kamikaze were convinced that they were invisible to the enemy until they impacted on the targets. And uh, Uncle Lewis made the pilot's belief come true. Yes, and created a cloak of real invisibility. Railsback's coming and going from that jail as he pleases, killing with perfect alibi. Yes, and soon he's going to be on the street with a perfect weapon. Why did he kill Bittner? Well, Railsback was jailed for robbing an armored car along with two male accomplices and one female. Neither the money nor the accomplices have ever been found. Bittner's probably one of them. So Jack, after reading up on Dayton and his crime, figures that Lou was one of his accomplices and that there's still two more, a male and a female. At this point, Ryan should have figured out, and maybe they did, they just didn't say it, but, you know, Jane was in the house, you know, hit Ryan, shot at Mickey. They should have known that was his other accomplice. And maybe they do, but they, I don't think they said it. Yeah, I think maybe later. I don't think they thought about it right at that moment. Maybe after she shot him and ran. (laughs) Right, that's what I'm saying. That's already happened. So when Jack says there's a male and a female accomplice, I mean, it would have occurred to me immediately that this woman that just shot at me was probably his accomplice. Yeah. But he still doesn't know how they can prove that Johnny's innocent. You know, who's going to believe the jacket story? Not that they'd be willing to tell it anyway, but nobody's going to believe that. So over at the jail, Johnny's cellmate once again tries to stop Johnny from going near Dayton. But the alarm goes off because there's a dead guy on the floor. The guard thinks he's cut his wrist. Johnny goes running in the direction where Dayton was going, and he gets there in time to actually see him vanish this time. So Johnny runs, but a guard stops him and beats him up when he says he needs to see the warden. Dayton heads to Jane's house. She gets a call from Kingston while Dayton opens a window and comes in. He grabs her from the bathtub and tries to drown her, but she gets away, but doesn't make it out the door. Mickey and Ryan show up and are trying to get into the house while Dayton is is strangling uh, Jane. And they get in too late. He takes the key from her neck and Mickey and Ryan find her dead. So back at the prison, Dayton appears in a cell while Johnny watches. And he kind of smirks at him like he's taunting him because he knows that he knows. Yep. So Jack looks into Lou's record and says he fell off the grid about the same time Dayton went to prison. They figure that the three of them betrayed Dayton and took the money from the storage room where Johnny's father was killed. So Johnny's father was basically just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right, yep. And had nothing to do with any of this. So they need to find Kingston before Dayton finds him. And they need to see Johnny again. Johnny confronts Dayton in the showers about killing his father, but Dayton pulls a knife, or a shank, I think it was a shank. Is it a shank or a shiv? What do you call it? I think it's a shank. But a guard breaks it up. Johnny's cellmate, who was also in the shower, asks him about his father's death. 
and tells him that Dayton's been in prison for years, so he couldn't have killed anyone two weeks ago. But Johnny tells him that Dayton has a way out. His cellmate believes him because he knows about events from an old construction or something that leads to the outside. And he figures that's how Dayton's getting out. And I don't know if we ever established, I know some of the times we see him walk through doors, but do you think he uses the vent too? Part of me wants to say, I don't think he uses the vent. Somewhere along the line, I'm getting that when they take the person who's been injured out, that's when he slipped through the doors. Yeah, and we've seen that a couple of times, but I was wondering if that's what, how he got back in. You would see it move, but you never see that. So I'm like, I think he could, but I don't think he used the vent at all. That could be, I just wondered. So his cellmate planned to use the vent himself and even made a key to unlock the cell, but decided that he belongs in prison and he never left. But he's telling Johnny all of this because he believes that Johnny's life is in danger and he really needs to get out of there. So he wants Johnny to escape because he knows that Dayton's going to kill him eventually. Right. So Dayton, again, is meeting with his attorney to get Kingston's address. The attorney doesn't trust Dayton not to kill him after he gets the information, but he gives him the address and Dayton leaves. Jack, Mickey, and Ryan figure out that Dayton must have some outside help in locating his accomplices. There was no internet back then. (laughs) So they have to find out who's been visiting him in prison. So after lights out in the cell block, Johnny uses the key to get out of his cell. He breaks into Dayton's cell and tries to grab the jacket. But Dayton wakes up and they fight. He stabs Johnny and Johnny passes out. Mickey and Ryan go to see the attorney. They make it clear that they know what's happening. Back at the prison... Dayton drags Johnny's body back to his cell and tells his cellmate to put him in his bed and he can come up with something to tell the guards in the morning. So then Jack calls the warden to tell him that the attorney's being questioned by the police and tries to convince him to separate Dayton from the rest of the prisoners. But he won't do anything until the police call him, which was annoying. Well, yeah, but it makes sense. Why, who are you? Right, true. I'm going through this, but I would be still going... Well, let me call the police to find out. Exactly. What you say. Exactly. Don't investigate. Yeah. My first move would be to call the police to verify all this. Mm hmm. And see what's happening. Yes. But he doesn't even bother to do that. He doesn't care. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Dayton goes back to his cell and wipes Johnny's blood on the jacket, but he doesn't disappear. And Johnny comes into the cell and tells him that it won't work because he isn't dead. It turns out Johnny had some kind of fake thing under his shirt that bled like a movie prop or something. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. saved him from the knife stab wound. Mm -hmm. Although it was only in one place in his body. So he had to make sure this guy stabbed him right there, which was tricky. Because it didn't seem like a, uh, you know, like I was thinking like a bulletproof vest kind of thing. Right. But it only seemed to be on one side of him. Yeah. So he just kind of got lucky that he stabbed him there and not the other side. Mm -hmm. But the thing bled. This was a plan. They faked him out. So they fight again. Johnny pushes him out of his cell. And Johnny's cellmate locks Dayton's cell so he can't get back in. And they tell him he's going to be arrested or grabbed for all the murders because he's now out of this cell and the warden can see he's out of the cell and right near the vent. And the guards will assume he's using the vent to escape and kill people. Dayton stabs Arkwright, which, of course, we knew was coming, mm-hmm. and wipes the blood on his jacket and disappears. The guard comes, and Johnny tries to tell him not to open the door, but he does, and Dayton knocks the guard out of the way and leaves the cell block. Johnny goes after him, and of course, the guards think it's Johnny that's escaping, so they're shooting at him. He goes into an area where he knows Dayton is. Dayton beats on him. Johnny grabs a paint roller 
and starts swinging it around until Dayton drops the shank or shiv or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But Johnny doesn't get to it in time. He's trying to grab it, but he doesn't get it. They keep fighting, and Johnny throws paint thinner or something at him and then lights a match. Dayton's screaming for him to put the matches down as the guards are running towards the room, and Johnny tosses the match, and Dayton's on fire. And the guards arrive to see him burning, but the jacket's fine. So the next morning, the warden tells Jack that the wounds on Johnny's cellmate match the other victims, and they also found the storage slip. So they do believe that Dayton was escaping and killing all his accomplices, which means Johnny is released. Now, the warden asked Jack to keep quiet about the escaping and the killings, because, you know, God forbid, the world should know that this prisoner was escaping every day to kill people, and that they wouldn't do anything about it when they were warned. So Ryan has the jacket. But they don't say how they got it. I mean, what possible... I mean, sometimes they tell you, you... You could see them grab it or something. But he's right. just holding the jacket under his arm. So the warden knows they have the jacket. What kind of a reason did they give to him that they needed this jacket back? Maybe because the jacket didn't burn? Yeah. What could they possibly say to the warden? Like, here's this dead, burnt guy. Hey, could we have this jacket? That <laughs> <laughs> doesn't burn. Right. What? It's, I don't know. It's weird. It's just weird. But, you know, okay. So, what did you think of this one? Oh, guys, no. No? No, not really, because there were so many things wrong with it. Oh, well, we can't let them all. I think one was the prison, period. No prison looks like that. No guard uniform looks like that. Well, I did think the guard uniform was kind of weird. It looked like somebody going to work in an office. Thank you. Yeah. It did. I did think that was weird. It just didn't look so fake. You know, I'm looking at it going, no, come on, it can't be that low budgeted. Well, yeah, it probably was because, you know, you're talking about the guards' uniform. They're like, hey, why don't you just wear some khakis, a white shirt, and a tie? You know, it wasn't even a uniform. Yeah, that's true, too. (laughs) I'm thinking low budget. (laughs) And then, where you lighting cigarettes, a cigar. Right. Why do you have matches? Because technically, you could set anything on fire. Uh, And and now, I hear just so many things wrong. Yeah. So, I think it wasn't a storyline that I was looking at, more or less. And then part of it was just the bathtub scene. I'm looking for the water to move or see if you see somebody in the tub. Because you can't submerge your whole body in the tub. Somewhere along the line, you would see a like a ring or not a ring, but you would see almost like more movement or something. Yeah. That suggests something sitting in the water. Right. I know. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think the storyline was just beyond me because I was looking at the set. There's definitely no budget to the show. That's pretty clear, yeah. Usually it's not that bad. I thought this one was extremely bad for a prison scene. Yeah, I didn't mind it that much. I mean, I mean, I see what you're saying, and I did think that the uniforms were weird. I was like, how is that a uniform? It was probably wear your own clothes with a tie. But I did, I did like it. I did like it. There were a couple of things that I was laughing at, because I thought when Johnny picked up the paint roller to swing at Dayton that the paint was going to make him visible. <laughs> he was gonna, like every time we hit him with the roller there would be more paint on him yeah <laughs> but that didn't work and i did like having an extra character that knew what was going on like working with them right yeah you know yeah. but i did like it i can't say it's one of my top 10 favorites but i did like it it didn't bother me at all but you were right about the budget but i think we see that's an issue in a lot of the 
episode. Right, but some of them were, this one was just really, really cheaped out. But you have to also realize this is the the second to the last episode of the season. So they're out of money at that point. Most shows have nothing left to their budget towards the end. And there's, Uh, you know, I have a feeling that adds to it. I I mean, we've always complained about the makeup. Although there wasn't any makeup in this one, but some of the makeup in some of the other episodes were like, really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't think they start with a big budget, but now that it's almost the end of the season, I'm surprised we didn't get a bottle episode because usually that's what they do to save money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't mind it at all. I liked it. But there's been plenty of times when I didn't like it and you did. so. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see you next week for the season two finale. See you next week. Well, I'm glad everything's over with. Promise me you won't do anything that dangerous again? Unless we're there to help. I was okay. I had help. Johnny, why did Arkwright tell you about the escape room? I don't know. Maybe, uh, he was decent enough to want to help me. Maybe he knew I had something better to do with my life. This is Doug, reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.